0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Friday morning. It's March. That means SEC baseball this evening and on Duty Noble Field as Mississippi State hosts Alabama in a crucial already SEC series. Meanwhile, next door to the baseball facilities, Mike Leach has football camp beginning Thursday afternoon and a Saturday practice at beginning as well. We'll be talking that also here in the doghouse on the Believe Network. I'm your host, David Murray, as Mississippi State has a most jam-packed weekend for the two major sports on campus. Well, I should include basketball as well because Chris Jans is now on campus and it's in fact intended football on Thursday to meet Mike Leach, who they actually have a friend in common, it turns out. So those... That's been taken care of. Uh, He's been introduced to a rousing welcome by Bulldog Country, which is ready to see the guy who's going to take this program to the next level, building on the foundation set by Ben Howland. But plenty of time to come to discuss basketball. It's a baseball weekend, and a big one. All right, calling any SEC weekend in, say, the first third of a schedule, a must-win usually means you've got more emotion involved than reality. Yet the reality is, it seems to me, that this is a very strong sense of March urgency about this series. With a loss split at Georgia to open SEC season, the Diamond Dogs need, and I mean really need, to at least balance those books on duty to a field, or better, come out of it Sunday with an over 500 league record and a sweep of an old foe. Game times are 6-2-2, two, two, with Sunday on the SEC network for those who can't make it or who can't hang around campus that long. You know, someday I'm going to debate the pluses and minuses of the three-day series that's been in effect for so many years now that a lot of people have forgotten the old double-headers on Saturday, which fill the stadiums. Uh, Again, that's for long away, and it doesn't seem weather will be any kind of factor this weekend, so I don't think there'll be any convoluted double-headers between the Bulldogs and the Crimson Tide. However, all of those beyond the fences still need to keep an eye on the skies for falling baseballs. Mississippi State is suddenly swinging for the fences and making it pay off. Other contacts are counting for hits, too. As Coach Chris Lamona said, after the relative rout of Southern University midweek, we've been swinging it really well lately. Well, how well? Starting last week with Binghamton, there have been 15 balls hit out of the yard, home or away, by seven Bulldogs. Now, this, of course, is around the blanking a week ago Friday at Georgia, although at least three of those high flies that night came pretty close to clearing. But, even with that, this isn't too far away from one home run hit every dozen at-bats in this stretch, and kind of a flashback to the uh, bad old days of Gorilla Ball, for those with memories. Well, suddenly Mississippi State is number three in the SEC standings in home runs, behind Tennessee and Florida, by the way. Did anybody see that coming? I certainly didn't. But, as Lamona said, we have some physical kids and some good hitters. There were some monster shots hit really well the last several games, and Frankly, he said his dogs are feeling it right now offensively. Well, feelings can fade fast, and as Lamonis also said, power comes and power goes. But you know what? As long as it goes in Mississippi State's favor, enjoy the ride every time the Bulldogs give that ball a ride. Home runs are fun, but I'm kind of more intrigued by hits netting half those bags right now because there's been at least one double, and usually more like two or three, by a Bulldog or so in the last 17 games. More to point, 22-2 uh, baggers in just the last eight con- contests. That ought to encourage, too, because remember, if the power does happen to evaporate and balls aren't leaving the park, well, if they're going into the gaps or into the corners consistently, that, too, is a sign of an improving offense and probably an offense that can be counted on to hold up over the course of the season. And, as all here understand, a huge improvement over how Bulldog batting started the season. A lot of that, of course, has to do with kind of, I'm not going to say the order is settled, but it certainly seems to stabilize now. Putting Jess Davis in center field and the leadoff position has been very effective. He's got just 11. I'm sorry, I'm talking about Cameron James can now swing second. He only has 11 RBI and 26 hits. That's James we're speaking of. Sorry for any confusion. That line ought to improve with somebody efficient getting on base ahead of him. Then again, look at the bottom of the order doing their duties so far. Some of those 7, 8, 9 batters might not be on base for their own good reasons. There's some, as Lamonas calls it, some big boys at the bottom of the lineup now. They're hitting the ball out of the park too, or certainly hitting doubles, getting in scoring positions as well. So if they're playing themselves, all the better, even if it means guys like James and those following in the three, four, or five positions don't have quite the same RBI opportunities. But the point being, too, about James, this to me is a really important statistic. He's one of those guys in the top of the order who is drawing walks. Part of it, obviously, is pitchers of being really careful throwing to him in the zone because they've seen what Cameron James can do with the baseball. Well, now so, too, is Kellum Clark drawing walks, interestingly enough. He hasn't been hot either, but certainly the bat has the potential. So when you see two of those guys, those physical guys that Lamonis talks about, drawing the walks because pitchers don't want to come right at them. That's setting up other guys. Now, a couple weeks ago, smart play because the rest of the order was not hitting very well. Now you see some guys cranking it up here. Look at R.J. Yeager. He himself may not see as many good pitches soon because he's on a six-game tear with 11 of 23 overall with five home runs, five shots by him. And sorry, no pun intended there. But when Yeager is hot, Certainly he's going to cool off at some point, but you add that into the mix when you know that James can take you deep, Logan Tanner can take you deep, Luke Hancock can take you out, Hunter Hines can take you out of the county if he connects. So you see a lot of power there. Now let's be clear, I don't want to sound overly enthusiastic about the offense at this point simply because they've made so much improvement, even if that's a good reason to get a little enthusiastic. That slow start to the season means that, overall, State is still swinging at just a 279 pace, which is still down near the league low. Uh, The slugging and the on-base rates have risen somewhat, for obvious reasons, and some of the blowout scores recently, like, what, 20 runs against Georgia in that Sunday route, 12 runs against Southern University, those have helped State move up in the runs, hits, and RBI categories. Yes, you can say that uh, a lot of schools have those kind of games. Well, State had not been having those kind of games. Now they are. They're taking advantage of some of the opportunities to drive in the runs, to pad the scores, to blow some games open. It also remains kind of curious how this offense rates very highly in the SEC in walks and plunkings. Oh, free bases are welcome. Don't get me wrong. I'll take a free pass. Well, easy for me to say because I'm not the one taking a fastball off the shoulder or the hip but free bases are welcome because it strains the pitchers even more. And while State is not a bunting team by any stretch of the imagination and not much of a running team, the fact that now the batters are coming through with the extra base hits, driving teammates in, you see the offense starting to take shape. I still think at this point it's more of an individual offense. That doesn't mean guys are playing on their own. It just means that it's a batter-by-batter batter kind of thing. Instead of uh, when State was playing really well last season, and one guy comes up, gets a hit, and it seems to infect the rest of the order to follow up, to make things happen, to make contact, to move guys around, or just drive them in. But you see a collective sort of attitude to offense starting to develop, and part of that, too, is the fact that you're, you're finding a more consistent order. Again, Jess Davis in center field, has done wonders in that regard. There's still some defensive issues, maybe on the corners at times, but you can live with those. Now, Limones was talking about how uh, Clark in uh, right field has to figure out how to play Sunshine. Well, that's not gonna be a problem Friday evening, but with two games in the afternoons the weekend, it looks like Sunshine there. He's got to uh, be a little more careful with the glove as compared to a couple of games this, more recently. Still, you're going to give up those, much as State has on the middle infield, to get a batter in there, because offense right now is the way to go. In fact, as we talked about last week, this is the year of the offense in the SEC. And I want to stress that simply because that's true almost everywhere. Yes, there's still teams that have good pitching, but you're not seeing the dominating arms out there in most situations. Mississippi State does have some positives going for the pitching staff, even after losing the Friday ace, Lennon Sims, Topper, Stone Simmons to surgeries. Now, for instance, out of these 22 games so far, 16 have produced double-digit strikeouts. In fact, they have 259 strikeouts in these games. That's not that far off the 287 strikeouts in the same span by last year's team. Think about that. And Last year's team set the all-time NCAA record, and this staff is mowing people down at nearly the same rate. Walks are a little bit up this year, but not too badly. However, yes, you knew there had to be a but coming. Well, the but is there's simply no comparing those staffs in a couple of key areas. We were bragging about Bulldog home runs and doubles. Well, look at what Mississippi State pitching has been allowing as well. We talked Monday, too, about the rotations combined earn-run average at Georgia. I think it was something like 5.7 between the three starters. Well, they can't repeat that this weekend. Alabama is not the kind of veteran team that Georgia was, and certainly Alabama's on the road as well, and not in their little cozy, homer-friendly park. At the same time, this pitching staff has given up long balls on duty, no field. So Preston Johnson, Parker Stinnett, and Cade Smith, all right-handers, as we often say, they've just got to minimize that early damage, not give up the cheap homer, you know, a walk, a hit batter, and then a ball leaves the yard. They've got to minimize damage. I'm not saying shut them out. Be great. I don't expect them to throw shutouts for very many innings against SEC teams. That's just the nature of it, especially this year. But hopefully, too, while they're minimizing damage, Bulldog batters are doing enough damage of their own to build the margin. And margin matters. Because this bullpen is still unsettled. Yeah, even though State had to play uh, Southern U... On Wednesday, instead of Tuesday because of weather, uh, Lamona said that everyone who tossed that night should be ready by the weekend. He even called the midweek game kind of a bullpen practice for the pitchers. Well, one hopes they don't make a practice of giving up five runs to a low-level opponent. Alabama is not that kind of club. The bullpen has been, as mentioned, problematic. And I will repeat, because I have to say it every week, but it's true. The arms are there. The talent is there. Guys have been given their roles and their opportunities and often come so close, so close to finishing an inning, to getting out with just a a runner left on base, no damage done, and then something doesn't click and they give up something. So the bullpen, you know they've got the potential, but they've got to start showing it. And frankly, they've got to start showing it soon. Now, Alabama... Maybe even more anxious about this weekend than the Bulldogs because they dropped a home series. Yes, it was to top 10 Florida, but home losses are harder to make up. And they also lost games to UAB and Southern Miss, although they played the Eagles a good bit closer than State did in a midweek game. And the Tide probably played a little better against Binghamton than State did in that Monday night game a week ago. It looks like the Tide will be throwing a right-hander on Friday and come back with South Falls the next two starts. Must win? Again, strong statement, uh, maybe a foolish and emotional statement, but it's difficult to avoid the impression that Mississippi State, with the schedule coming up in April, has got to come out of this month at the very least break even. Much better would be to make up for the game at Georgia that simply got away and be 4-2 and two going into the next month. 5-1 uh, and one would certainly be achievable and I just have this uncomfortable think that that Saturday loss at Georgia may in the long run come back to bite, but maybe not. Sweep this weekend, and you start feeling a whole lot better. The main thing, though, in my mind, too, is, yes, it's still March, and NCAA selections are way far away. But Mississippi State's RPI was 112 as of Thursday. We'll check it again on Friday morning when the fresh round comes out. And by the way, the NCAA does not update their RPI until after the weekend, so otherwise you rely on our friends Boyd and Warren for their own private RPIs. Still, states in the hundred-teens. If you sweep Alabama this weekend, you're gonna probably break into the top 100, get back into double digits, and simply start stacking some wins together. And right now, that's, well, that's urgent. Not quite so urgent, Uh, at least not in the immediate sense, but maybe urgent as far as what's going on inside the club, is what's happening over on the football practice fields. Spring football began Thursday, the first of 25 scheduled sessions. They'll be going again on Saturday and then thrice weekly from there on out. By the way, that includes three practice sessions after the spring game, and Mike Leach structured it that way because coming out of spring break, They would have had to really cram the workouts together to get it done before an April 16th spring game. So instead, they'll still leave themselves some room there. These are not just leftover practices. State coaches have done that for years, maybe spare one, sometimes two. No, he's leaving three full workouts for that last week of really school because, again, uh, studying for finals gets going. Uh, maybe in one sense they've cut themselves short as far as uh, post-spring workouts, post-spring rehabilitations, fingers crossed that, that none of that's necessary, but that's simply the way the calendar broke this year with spring break being what it is. So they uh, they began the first of their sessions on Thursday, go against Saturday. Uh, today, I say Thursday, was the first day of the revamped staff after the off-season changes and promotions. And uh Mike Leach, in his comments, you can read the full transcript on jeanspage.com from Mike Nemeth. Uh, Leach liked the energy, which he said was consistent. The execution, not as much so, but uh, you don't really expect a lot of consistency from that point from guys who, A, are coming off spring break, and B, haven't really done much true team football since December. He still thought it was a little better than anticipated for a day one, and keep in mind too. This roster is loaded with official underclassmen, if you just look at it in that chart. Realistically, you and I both know there's a lot of experience on this roster. A lot of juniors and sophomores have senior-level experience already for some teams, some years. And that should help out, again, get the execution going a little early than usual. If it doesn't, then we've got something to talk about, which will not be fun. But that's what you're hoping that with guys like Will Rogers, who's now going into what looks like his third year as the starter. Except, wait, the position's open. Yes, understand this. With Mike Leach, all jobs are open. He only mentioned that as far as wide receiver jobs, but then he was only asked about that position area being open. Everything is there for the taking. If Sawyer Robertson, who was taking the backup snaps on Thursday, somehow manages to outplay Rodgers, he'll be the quarterback come September. I'm not concerned about guys being awarded positions just on seniority or juniority, if you want to look at it that way. He wants the best guys out there who can move the team. His priorities, though, lie not in the throwing and catching, at least he said his two areas of most concern for this spring 2022. In order, it was the secondary and the offensive line. I don't think that surprises anybody because the secondary – was a weak link much of last year, despite some talented and a lot of experienced guys? Well, you know what? A lot of those experienced guys are back this year, but is that necessarily an encouraging thing, given how several of these players performed or often did not perform? So, you know, what's one of those jokes of uh, experienced guys with a bad experience? Well, maybe there's some of that as far as a secondary is. And I'm speaking primarily to safeties, of course, cornerback positions, you feel pretty good about Forbes on one side to Cameron Richardson on the other side. And that's more looking for depth at the corners and maybe some people end up moving around. Uh, but it's at the safeties, you've got to think every one of those jobs is there for the taking by somebody, anybody who can prove they can consistently handle those defensive assignments, uh, especially as Mississippi State has revamped the uh, pecking order on the defensive coaching staff as well. Now, there's no lack of numbers at wide receiver. It's more a matter now of defining the roles of the wide receivers. You could see outside guys moving inside, vice versa, slots changing from one end to the other end. They're going to look for the best combination. Getting in the two transfers uh, for the spring has been key because now they can go out and practice immediately instead of having to wait till summer and they do informal drills and not find out, do they really fit in, comes sometime in August. So that's been crucial for developing the wide receiver positions. We'll see how that competition goes. Back to the offensive line, which is my single concern. That doesn't mean I think everything else is in great shape. I just think that if the offensive line doesn't get fixed, then nothing else is going to matter on the offense. That's the blunt fact about how the air raid or any other offense really runs, but especially so this one. You know, he was asked specifically about Albert Reese and admitted that he probably should have been advanced a little farther last year in retrospect, and of course, you know that means he's talking about right tackle, where Scott Lashley, now gone, just was inconsistent for at least the first half of the year, settled down somewhat, but Reese probably deserved more chances than he got. The addition of transfer Percy Lewis looks like it will settle the left tackle position at this point. Blessedly, LaQuinston Sharp was given another year by the NCAA. Now you feel good about a consistent center in the, in the middle, literally, of everything, and uh, the Jones and Jones combination at guards. So offensive line, to me, is what I would prefer to watch, but then again, you can't help keeping your eyes off Will Rogers and Sawyer Robertson. For that man, Daniel Greek, and of course, a returning transfer, Chance Levertich who is the only other quarterback who got a single snap, several of them, but you get the idea, last season in some mop-up duties. Uh, I think I had a running count of how many snaps Rodgers had taken. Uh, I don't have it with me right now, but I'll be looking that up as camp proceeds because it was a lot. Uh, Maybe even as many snaps as, say, uh, Logan Tanner caught pitches in Omaha, which was over a 1,000, by the way. Saturday's session starts a little bit before noon, and it should end around 2-ish, about the same time the Diamond Dogs get going with their Game 2 of the series, which means that uh, the folk who are in the loft or who purchase tickets for the party deck can always just turn, look the other direction, and get an eye on what's going on in spring football for uh, probably a good couple of hours. Uh, bring binoculars. It's a fair long ways away, but you'll have a better view than maybe some of us in the media will from that high vantage point. So spring football on Saturday, then three sessions next week. We'll have our regular reporting course. Uh, talking to assistant coaches and players now in coming workouts, as Leach has had his say. Uh, the transcript has the usual entertainment because, okay, it's not good form for me to um, critique my peers. But dadgummit, some of those questions just get plain silly. And those are the ones Mike Leach takes and runs with. Not because he enjoys the questions in both cases, but because it simply is a way of showing up. If you're going to ask something like this, then I'm going to take it and go with it instead of talking football, which is what I'm here to talk about. So ask me about football. Okay. Rant over. I'm just trying to dispel the impression out there that this coach is not involved, doesn't care. This kind of la-di-da about his spring camp is going. You've got to understand how the man thinks and operates in that regard. and, While there have been coaches in the past who wanted to talk directly to the fans more than maybe talk football, uh, that is not an issue with Mike Leach. Talk football, he'll go all day. And hopefully soon, we'll have a chance to talk to Leach again, perhaps even privately as well, because it's going to be an interesting spring camp, a lot to keep track of, and we'll be doing that on jeanspage.com all during the course of the spring camp. Meanwhile, Bulldog baseball. That's the moment of the weekend. 6 o'clock Friday, Preston Johnson. 2 o'clock Saturday, Parker Smith. 2 o'clock Sunday, Cade Smith. Give us some innings, guys. Give the team the innings. See if the offense can stay hot against Alabama pitching. And let's see if the dogs can take a series, which, well, we've come out and called it a must-win. So, I guess they got to go win it. Anyway, that's our talk for this Friday morning. Uh, Weather looks good. Shouldn't be any interruptions to the series this weekend nor to spring practice tomorrow as well. So make your plans to be on campus and also make your plans to keep up with us here in the doghouse. This is your host, David Murray, as we'll be talking to you come Monday when it's time to overreact to anything and everything that happens over this weekend here on the Believe Network.